The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org give. Please stand for a reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 25. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I want to add my welcome to that of Aaron's. Uh, my name is Frank Hitchings. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we're glad that you're all here with us this morning to worship. Before we uh, jump into this passage, though, uh, let's go to our God and ask his blessing on our study of it. Let's pray. Father, we are a thankful people that you've given us your word that you have told us that it's literally God-breathed, that it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that we would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're thankful for how you've used it, Lord, to deepen us in our faith as well as our repentance. 
to deepen us in our, our knowledge of you and our uh, growing and uh, grace and faith. And we ask, Lord, that the byproduct of our study this morning would be that our hearts would be changed, that our faith would be strengthened, that our lives could be lived through the miracle of your grace, that they could be lived for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Been thinking a lot this past week, um, based on this passage really, about warnings, warnings that are important for us to pay attention to in life. Uh, some warnings may be more than others. I came across some warnings this week, some warning labels that seemed quite odd. I want to run these by you and just get your take on them. They came in an article that I found um, entitled, 21 Warning Labels That Will Make You Feel Like a Genius. So here's just a sample. On a box of tiramisu, y'all know what tiramisu is, printed on the very bottom of the box is this warning label. Warning, do not turn upside down. <laughs> on a string of Christmas lights, warning for indoor or outdoor use only. <laughs> on a package of peanuts, warning, package contains... just when you think it can't get worse. On a can of pepper spray, warning, contents may irritate. Yeah. On a Chipotle truck, a delivery truck, an 18-wheeler delivering to the restaurants, <laughs> notice drivers do not carry burritos. <laughs> Only two more, I'll let you go. On a bottle of dog medication, warning, may cause drowsiness, use care when operating a car. These are actual warning labels, but my favorite, my personal favorite, uh, being a relatively new grandparent, is one on a baby stroller that says, caution, remove baby before folding. <laughs> Some warnings are really not worth printing or not worth paying attention to. Uh, others are worth paying attention to. Last fall, uh, late last fall, early into December, um, I went fly fishing with my son and, and my good friend Joe McCall up on the Teleco River uh, near Western Carolina and, uh, and Western North Carolina and Tennessee, and I'd never been there before. And as I was getting closer and closer, there were more and more warning signs that I encountered along that winding mountain road through those canyons the river had cut. Warnings that said things like falling rock. Now, y'all have seen falling rock warning signs. Have you ever known anybody who's been hit by one of those rocks? I have. I know somebody that was hit by one of those rocks driving up Lookout Mountain, driving right up the side of the mountain, a rock came rolling down, hit them right in the side of the car. I think about that when I see those signs. Warning, deer crossing, warning, bridges, may ice in cold water, cold weather, excuse me. Warning, trucks entering highway. Warning, blind curve ahead. There's some warnings you find in life that really need to be paid attention to, especially if you're going somewhere you've never been before. It's dangerous to ignore them. Think about where the Israelites are right now. They're standing on the edge of the promised land, about to enter after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Moses has been repeatedly warning them about this place, this promised land that they've never been before and about dangers in the land. Back in chapter four, Moses said this, be careful, 
and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Sounds a lot like even last week's passage, a lot like this week's passage. Moses is saying, dangers lie ahead for God's people, but these are not the dangers that the spies first encountered back in Numbers chapter 13. Remember when the spies went in to check out the promised land? They returned, uh, they returned from, from their uh, spying expedition and talked to Moses and the people, and this is what they say. This is the account they gave to Moses. They said, we went into the land to which you sent us, Moses, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And they showed them giant grape clusters that they brought with them. And then they said this, but the people who live there are powerful. Their cities are fortified and very large. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. All the people we saw there are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That's what they were warning Moses and the people about, like, we can't do this. But Moses' warning to the people here in this passage has nothing to do with big people in fortified cities. Dangers that Moses, the danger he's talking about is not external at all, it's internal. It's inside the heart of God's people. Dangers of forgetting God, forgetting his promises, forgetting his nature, forgetting his gifts, forgetting his mighty acts of redemption. That's what Moses is gonna warn the people of. And that brings us really to our outline this morning. We really only have two points, but we got about five subpoints, so it's not gonna be short. Two points here, an urgent reminder of the dangers ahead. Moses is giving the people that, and we'll see how relevant those are to us today. And then a twofold remedy to those very real dangers. So first, an urgent reminder of the dangers ahead. Now, in verses 10 through 16, Moses is going to identify those dangers and warn God's people of them. And what we'll see as we look at them is they are just as real a danger for us today as they were thousands of years ago when this was written. And the first danger, if you look at your outline, the first danger is this. Fullness in life can lead to forgetfulness of God. Say it again. Fullness in life can lead to forgetfulness of God. Look at verse 10 through verse 12. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. See the theme there? And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's just crystal clear, isn't it? Moses is saying, there's a danger in fullness in life, a danger in having abundance in life. It can lead us to forgetfulness of God. It's important to note, though, that, that Moses doesn't anywhere condemn fullness or abundance. Moses doesn't say, you know, abundance in life is a bad thing. Abundance, just having abundance is a sinful thing. He doesn't say that. I was reading uh, 
an Anglican missiologist and Old Testament scholar named Christopher Wright this week, and he was so helpful. Listen to what he said. He said, there's no embarrassment in Deuteronomy in the anticipation of the abundance and richness of life that lay in the land ahead. There's no embarrassment. God's desire for his people was and still ultimately remains a full life, enjoying the gifts of creation, but equally, not only is there no embarrassment, there's no illusion regarding the likely behavior of the people. In the enjoyment of God's gifts, they're prone to forget the giver. I think he's right, isn't he? There's no embarrassment about abundance, but there's danger. There's no illusion. It works on our hearts, and we tend to stray from the living God and forget him. It's the huge danger the Israelites faced as they got ready to enter the promised land and to have all these blessings that God had been telling them about, that Moses had been telling about. It's the danger of forgetting God, forgetting because of the affluence in their lives, forgetting because of the affluence in our lives, the gifts and the blessings that we've been given. I was thinking about it as I I read those verses, you know, good and great cities, you did not build houses, you did not fill cisterns, all that. I was thinking this week, you know, it's true. We're tempted to say this. It's true. The Israelites didn't build those fortified cities. They didn't plant those vineyards. But I've worked hard for everything I got. Easy to think that way, isn't it? I worked hard all through school. I labored. I put up with a lot building my career. You don't know the bosses I've had. Nobody gave me anything. I worked hard. I earned it. It's easy to think that way. And it's wrong to think that way. Everything we have comes from God. It all belongs to Him. He's the giver of all good gifts. If you're taking notes this morning, write down Deuteronomy 8. If there's one thing I would love for y'all to do today is at some point this afternoon, just read that one chapter, Deuteronomy 8. Let me read just a bit of it for you. It sounds like it could be written to us today because it is written to us today. Let me just read you a few verses. When you have eaten, he just elaborates on this. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, When you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And then it goes and he says, the Lord did this for you, and the Lord did this for you. He lists it, and he ends with this. So you may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. It's a huge danger for the Israelites as they face entering the promised land. It's a huge danger for us. Moses might say this to us, He might say, Lookout Mountain, Chattanooga, these are beautiful places in which to live. Moses might say, you've been blessed, we've all been blessed materially beyond measure, 
But as beautiful as this place is, it's also a dangerous place. Be careful. Fullness, abundance in life can lead to forgetfulness of God. That's the first warning. Here's the the second warning. Influence of culture can lead to idolatry. Look at verse 13. We'll read down through 15. He says, It's the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Moses, in our study of Deuteronomy, we've seen it over and over He's warning the people that the land in which they're about to go, the land of Canaan, the promised land, is full of idolatry. Idolatry is rampant in the land. And he's saying there's going to be a huge temptation when you go out into that land to either adopt the religion of the people in the land or adapt your own faith to the culture. To either adopt their religion or adapt your own faith to the culture. He's warning the people throughout Deuteronomy of the cultural pressures of living in Canaan. He's warning them of the danger of abandoning the living God so they can fit in, basically. Of abandoning the, abandoning the living God so they can be accepted in the culture in which they'll live. It's kind of the frog in the kettle illustration. The same danger really exists for us today, doesn't it? The danger of effectively abandoning God, effectively abandoning His ways because of the pressure of living in the culture. The danger of adapting what we believe so that we might fit in better and not be ridiculed or not be persecuted for holding to the teachings of a 2,000-year-old book. Moses is saying, be careful, there's fullness in life. And it's a good thing, but it can lead to forgetfulness of God. Be careful. We're supposed to influence the culture, but the culture can end up influencing us. The third danger. Is this encouraging so far? (laughs) I'm going out with a bank. Sabbatical starts at noon. (laughs) Third danger. Difficulty and hardship can lead to doubt. Difficulty and hardship can lead it out. Look at verse 16, just this one little verse that Moses inserts. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. And again, Deuteronomy 8, the first five verses elaborates on this danger. It's well worth reading. We're not going to read it because of time this morning. But Moses singles out this one event from their time wandering in the wilderness. The event where they're undergoing hardship and they're grumbling against Moses. They're camped at a place called Massah. They're camped at a place where there is no water. And and if you go back and you read that, you'll realize that God had provided water for them time and time again. God gave them quail every night. He gave them manna every morning. And yet when they camp there and they realize there's no water, this is what they say to Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Is the Lord with us or not? Like, think of what they had seen the Lord do. In Egypt, with the plagues in Egypt, with the Red Sea, just think of all they'd seen. Is the Lord with us or not, Moses? 
And Moses, in exasperation, asked God this. He says, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And once again, God provides water for his people. And what Moses is doing by putting this one little verse here, by referring to this one event, he's warning us that dangers come, spiritual dangers come when we're in circumstances that are difficult. When hardships abound in our lives, he's saying there's a danger of doubting the goodness of God, doubting his provision, doubting even his presence or his existence. Is God with us or not? Why is this happening? Who among us has not thought that when we're facing hardship or circumstances that are just hard and difficult? So those are the three reminders of the, of the dangers that lie ahead. He's saying fullness in life can lead to forgetfulness of God. The influence of the surrounding culture can lead to idolatry. And difficulties and hardship can lead to doubting the very goodness of God or the presence of God or even the existence of God. He's reminding them as they're poised to enter the promised land. But he's also giving them the remedy the twofold remedy to these very real dangers. Remedy number one is this. It's in your outline. Remedy number one is obedience rooted in reverence. Back in verse 13, he says this. It's the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear. And then down to verse 17. You shall diligently keep his commandments. The commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statues which he's commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord so that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the good land the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord had promised. Notice that call in verse 13 to rightly fear the Lord, to, to have a holy reverence and awe and respect for Him. Moses says, where will, that, where will that right fear, right acknowledgement of God, where will that reverence lead? He says it leads to obedience. If we're rightly revering the living God, it'll lead towards a sincere desire to keep His commands. Not to be able to do it perfectly in this life, but a desire to live and do what he says is good and right in the sight of the Lord. That's the first remedy. Notice that there's no hint there of, 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 of them saying, of Moses saying that your obedience earns you possession of the land. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying the land's a gift from God. The land, we saw it in verse 10 and we'll see it at the end. Verse 10, um, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to give you the gift of the land was rooted in that covenantal ancestral promise of God and here Moses is saying one of the uh, one of the antidotes one of the remedies uh, to guard our hearts from these dangers is to pursue spirit empowered obedience that's rooted in a reverence for the living God this past week on Monday, we were uh, in the pastoral uh, sermon discussion meeting. I maybe just say the sermon discussion meeting. And it's every Monday from 1 to 2. 
Um, it's got all the pastoral team there. It's got the worship team members. It's got the discipleship teams there. Uh, Jennifer Thompson's there who writes our small group questions. We're all together. And every week, like this week, Will and I are both preaching. So we brought outlines that we brought to the group. We explained them to the group. We tweaked them with the group. We came out with one that we really liked. It's the highlight of the week. It's part of what I'm really going to miss on sabbatical. And when we were talking this week, Ecclesiastes came up. Ecclesiastes, you know, the, the book basically says that it teaches this. A life that's not centered on God is meaningless. It's meaningless. Nothing in creation will satisfy our hearts apart from God. And the writer goes and talks about pursuing wisdom and pleasure and accomplishments and wealth. And at the end of the day, the writer says, it's all meaningless. It's all empty. And the book is, is written from the perspective of an old man who's looking back on his life and finding that his life was meaningless because he pursued the wrong things. And he ends chapter 12 with these words. Moses would say amen to this. He ends chapter 12 with these words. Now that all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. Fear God and keep his commandments. There's the way uh, to a soul-satisfying life that actually honors God. So Moses is saying one remedy to these dangers, these three dangers, is to pursue obedience rooted in a holy reverence of God. And then lastly, remedy number two, the other way is obedience rooted in redemption. Verse 20, when your son asks you in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules of the Lord our God that he's commanded us? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and against all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land, here it is, that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are to this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we're careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God. Moses is in these verses calling the people of God to guard against the dangers that lurk in our own hearts by pursuing, again, an obedience, but this time one that's rooted not just in a reverence for God, but also in the story of redemption. Sounds a lot like last week. Verse 6 and 7 last week said, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It's a generational call to share the story of redemption, to remember it and recount it to the next generation, the story of redemption, the story of God's covenant faithfulness in redemption. Moses is saying that the right response to the redemption that we've been given is to pursue obedience, not just not just to remember and recount it, not just for the next generation, although certainly for the next generation, but Moses would also say it's good for us to look back and recount the faithfulness, the covenant faithfulness of God in our lives. 
I was thinking this week, just looking back on, on my own family and my own family history and in all the ways that God showed his faithfulness to my grandparents, my parents, and to me. And then he closes in verse 25. He closes by, by stating that our pursuit of this righteous living, he says, it'll be the natural response flowing from a heart full of gratitude for the one who has redeemed us. Redeemed us through the gift of his own son. It's a great picture of what we see. I'm going to close with this. It's a great picture of what we see in one of my favorite psalms that we used to use when we used to give charges at baptisms. Uh, we used to give a charge, and uh, we've stopped doing that just because of time uh, in the hour of worship, but also because it's so hard when children are running around for the couple to hear anything we say. Um, but Psalm 78 is one of my favorite psalms. This is what he says. This is kind of a summation of the last point here. The psalmist says, What we have heard and known, what our fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers have told us, we will not hide these things from our children. We'll tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. For He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. Now listen, so that the next generation would know them, even children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep, but would keep his commands. My prayer is that that's the kind of kingdom vision that will mark our lives as we try to prepare our hearts uh, to guard against these dangers uh, that are so relevant to us today. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for your covenant faithfulness to us that it's not dependent on our, our faithfulness in response. We thank you for the gift of your word and for passages like this that were written thousands of years ago and yet they are just as relevant to us today as the day that Moses spoke these words. We thank you, Lord, that your word not only convicts us of sin and shows us our need for your grace, but it also guides us and directs us in how we're to live in a manner that really would honor you and bring blessing to our lives. We thank you for these warnings that we've looked at this morning, these warnings of spiritual dangers that lurk in our own hearts. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us and all that you are doing in us, for you have told us that you're committed to bringing to completion the good work you've started in our hearts. So we ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts even this day as we take time on this Sabbath day to read your word, to study your word, that you would work in our hearts to draw us into a fuller obedience that really is rooted in a reverence for you and in a deep desire to tell the story of your covenant faithfulness to the next generation. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.